1: Thank you for joining me today on the Instructor Podcast. As always, I'm your delightful host, Terry Cook, and I'm delighted to be here and even more delighted that you have chosen to listen. Now, every week on the Instructor Podcast, I speak to leaders and experts, innovators and game changers, looking at ways that we can improve your driving school business. And today is no different. I am joined by the wonderful Charlotte Parker, who has joined us to talk all about social media, how we can use it to generate business, how we can use it to improve our presence online and attract the right type of customer. Some wonderful tips and knowledge shared today by Charlotte. But before we dive into the episode, I just want to take a moment to tell you about a couple of things. So first of all, make sure you hang about to the end of the show where I give you another one of my ever splendid Terry's tips. And also I want to just mention that I've started Asking the guests for a driving song, so their ultimate driving song, and I ask Charlotte today at the end of today's episode. But I'm also going to be going back and asking all of my previous guests, and I'm going to form a Spotify playlist. Uh, I will put a link to this in the show notes, so you can go and download it, and you can listen to this the, the listen to the Spotify playlist whenever you've finished listening to the Instructor Podcast. So hopefully, you'll get some pleasure from that as well. But for now. Let's dive into the show. And today on The Instructor Podcast, I am joined by the ever delightful, wonderful human being that is Charlotte Parker. How are we doing, Charlotte?
0: Good. I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: No, uh, delighted. You're someone that uh, I know I've been talking about coming on for a while. We've we've finally got around to it, so I'm I'm pleased that you've agreed to join me. Uh, And I'm going to throw up in the question I ask everyone when we first come on the show, which is just tell us a little about you and a little bit about what you do.
0: Yeah, so um obviously I'm going to be talking about social media today. That's sort of my main area of specialty. Um, but I'm a media and marketing graduate from Leeds Trinity University and I currently work for an agency as a social media executive. So sort of all about social media, really.
1: What, what's the role of a social media executive?
0: Um so it kind of varies as to where you work. It's not like a very defined title. Um, but for me, working in, a, in an agency, we work with lots of different clients in lots of diff- different industries. And it's my role to sort of spot trends, um, create content, analyze data and generally just respond to customer inquiry. So it's sort of a little bit com- community management is what we call it. But it's basically digital um, support, I guess.
1: Uh, no, I like that, and I'm I'm gonna. So we're gonna dive all in that in a moment. But before we do uh, another question, I ask everyone at the start of the show. Um, I am always joined by leaders, experts, innovators, and game changers. Which one of those do you think you fall into?
0: So I want to say experts, but considering that I'm only a year out of uni, that feels a little mm-hmm. bit above my current status. Um, but I will go with expert just because that's where my skill set is really. Um, I'd like to be a game changer in the future, but I'm still sort of learning my craft, as it were.
1: Expert a budding game changer. You see, the expert one is fascinating for me because I get a lot of people that that I, I throw that question to. And they seem slightly put off by the term of an expert. They don't seem to like it. And my idea of an expert is just someone that knows quite a bit more than me. Mm. That's how I look at it. Because, I, you know, you think of me as an instructor, I generally know you know, more than the my students. I don't know everything there is to know. So, my, like I said, that's my definition. So, you know an awful lot more about what we're going to be talking about today. So, I would uh, wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, but, yeah, you're right. We've, we've brought you on mainly to talk about social media and uh, to the... Some of my listeners will be familiar with you already because you recently did a post in uh, the Instructor Podcast Facebook group, which went down quite well. Some nice comments on there and some nice messages to me as well. So thank you for doing that. And we're going to be touching on that as well. But before we dive into that, I wanted to ask you a very specific question. Because for those that don't know, uh, you recently passed your your driving test not that long ago. And uh, I was lucky enough to be someone that helped you pass it as your instructor. And I wanted to take the opportunity to ask you, as someone that recently passed, what advice would you give to driving instructors from a student's perspective? And I am going to throw a slight caveat on that. I know I've told you this beforehand, but for the listeners as well, feel free to insult me. I can can take it. But what advice would you offer to instructors?
0: Um, I think the first one is something that I didn't know that I needed until I had you as my instructor, really, which was to self-reflect on my lessons and put my own plan in place as to what I wanted to do. Terry was really good at making me come up with the plan that we were doing in the lesson. And sometimes I would go home and I would think like, I don't, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not the
2: instructor.
0: But in hindsight and looking back, that was really the best pace for me to be able to do it. Um I think otherwise I would be sort of ticking boxes that instructors might have in place that they work through in a certain order and a certain way. But I think every student learns differently. And by having the ability to sort of tailor my own lessons and what I wanted to do, I was able to learn the skills at a pace that was right and pushed by Terry to learn, but also Felt comfortable and not too challenging each week.
1: I like that. I like that we started off with a compliment towards me. That's good. But so would you suggest to, to instructors listening that they give that option to, to all their students um, rather than just go in with that my way or the highway approach?
0: Yeah, I think obviously there'll be some students that won't know at all what they want to do. And in that case, an instructor can definitely sort of take the lead on the organisation, the structure of a lesson. But for some students, myself included in that, I sort of know myself and know what I'm capable of already. And I didn't want to be pushed too hard, but I did want to be pushed. So having that flexibility was just spot on for me. So I think, yeah, sort of take it, take the balance from students rather than putting harsh step by step in place.
1: And I think even with you, sometimes there were times we'd come to a lesson and I'd ask, like, right, what we're doing today? And you will, I don't know. And it'll be like, okay, do you want to do this? Do you want to do this? And kind of throw some stuff to him. We'd go from there. So like you said, you're not always going to know, but you can always work it out. Anything else you want to throw into the mix for instructors?
0: Um, this is something that I've actually just thought about, um, but it might be useful. I am a chatterbox, and Terry is also a chatterbox, <laughs>
2: hence
0: multiple podcasts.
2: Yep. <laughs>
0: and there would be times when we would be driving where, one of us would just need to stop talking so the other could do their role either as instructor or as the student learning to drive so I think if you get two people that <laughs> chat boxes just bear that in mind because there were definitely times where I would miss my turn or we were supposed to go one way and we would suddenly be going a different way because we've been talking.
1: Uh-huh feel attacked, but it's one hundred percent true. No, um, no, it's um you're making me chuckle as well because as we're recording this, I was recording another podcast last night and we're uh, talking about uh how you can give um, directions in a clear and concise manner and I was saying yeah I struggle with that because I'm too busy talking half the time <laughs> so it's it's interesting that you say that I'm trying to get better I'm trying to get better but no it's you're right though as well because I, I'm not just for you but I know on lessons before I've said to students tell me to shut up if I'm distracting you just say shut up it's fine so I think that's a a really good point. And, and before I get any more offended, we'll we'll move on from that. Okay, but we did get you on for, for sort of the social media side of it. And the first thing I, I want to ask you is, if you've got an opinion as to which is the best social media platform to be on to attract students?
0: Okay, so I just have a think about this, actually. And um, my answer is sort of in two halves. So A big thing with social media is considering who your audience is. So obviously for instructors, I would say the biggest two are probably students themselves, sort of age 17 and up, and also their parents or carers who might be supporting and choosing a driving instructor. Now, those two audiences in themselves behave very differently online. So for your students, they're probably more likely on platforms like TikTok and Instagram, which have a much younger user base, whereas parents, you know, sort of, I don't know what the generation before Gen Z is. I think it's millennials. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Um, I'm a millennial.
0: There you go. They're probably more comfortable on platforms like Facebook. So I do think that where possible, instructors should definitely utilize both. But if you were only going to have one, I think Facebook just offers the best features at the moment for a business. Um, So I'd probably go with Facebook if you can only have one, but add Instagram and TikTok if you have the time and capacity for two
1: and if i just want to come on to the features of facebook um it's interesting you say that because putting two and two together most of my students are sort of 25 to 30. that seems to be the age that most of my come i obviously teach some 17 year old and some older but that that's kind of the average age and for years most of my social media has been on facebook so do you think that's why I attract that that slightly older generation?
0: I mean, yeah. So the content you're putting out there, I don't think you'll be specifically saying I teach 25 to 30 year olds. But it just so happens that the platform you're putting it on means that that's sort of the message that you're saying in that. And that's kind of a common thing with social media. We find that for me, for example, a brand will come and say, I only want to do this platform. But when we dig down and we talk about who their audience is, we realize, okay, that doesn't make any sense because your audience isn't there. Yeah. Or say, it's really strange. We thought that our product would be good for this age, but we're actually seeing more sales from this category. And it's like, okay, well, probably because the social media you're doing <laughs> is more tailored to that age range. Yeah, so I would agree that's probably why.
1: Yeah, and also, you know, on the same vein, um, I get a lot of people's parents contacting me through Facebook. You know, it's not the student. Now, there's always the exceptions, of course. There's going to be some 17-year-olds that use Facebook and, and see me that way. But it's literally the trend I see, as you've said. You know, the, the older the millennials that, that come to me, you know, they are come to me through Facebook and people's parents come to me through Facebook. Do you think it's important to use those differently? So like the way you speak. So if I was posting on Facebook, would I maybe tailor those posts a little bit to parents or to the older generation when i'm on instagram for example maybe tailor it to the more the younger generation
0: um i think it depends how you go about it so i think when you think tailor posts to the younger generation you see people trying to use slang and (laughs) that just isn't right for them um so i would avoid doing that not because i don't think the older generation can use slang I'm, i'm definitely not saying that i just think that when I was seventeen, if I saw a millennial using slang, it was just cringe. It was so cringe. So I don't, I don't think go to the extreme and start, you know, trying to get down with the kids on TikTok or Instagram. But you can definitely do some posts that are specifically speaking to parents. So things like, are you look, is your child looking for a driving instructor maybe, or sort of opening it in that way. But don't start using. <laughs> <laughs> you think teenagers of today are using because you'll probably be wrong and it's just embarrassing for everyone involved
1: yeah i may have done that before but yeah if i think if it we're already only sort of 10 minutes into the show but i think if there's one takeaway for me it's it's don't be cringe mm-hmm. <laughs> and don't try me down with the kids that's yeah. not gonna work um all right then um but i want to focus on facebook a little bit because I think that is kind of the hub for most instructors. Yes, there's a lot on others, and and I want to do touch on, I want to touch on them a little bit as we go forward, but Facebook, the thing you mentioned there was features, and it was something you mentioned on your post as well about talking about the features. So um tell me a little bit about the different features, how you can use them and why it's important.
0: Yeah. So um I listened to your podcast with I think it was Nikki or Nick, who spoke about SEO a little bit. And one of the things that Facebook's really great for is your Facebook business page can rank on Google. So if your website is lacking, but your Facebook presence is great, Facebook can sort of pick up that on Google. So that's why I think having Facebook above anything else is great because you have that increased visibility. Um, But sort of the key features that I think are being utilised a lot on Facebook now is sort of local community groups. We're all in them, you know, whether we're there to just know The local drama, or whether we're there to find local tradesmen, is really up to an individual. But through a group, was how I found Terry for my driving instructor. It's where I continue to recommend Terry as a driving instructor and see other people doing the same because people are lazy inherently. So, Facebook has features where you can ask someone else for a driving instructor recommendation. And that, for some reason, is easier than going to Google. So, I think if you can build up your Facebook presence to have Firstly, make sure you're using a bit a business page rather than a personal profile. That's really key because otherwise you won't have a lot of the features that we're probably going to be talking about. But once you've got your business page up, other users can then tag you in posts um, so you can get those word of mouth recommendations, which are great. But you'll also be able to do things with your page that you otherwise couldn't. So some good examples of that is schedule posts in advance, um, analyze data from post performance, which I don't know if we'll go into more on that, but yeah. Um, they're sort of the two key things that without a business page you're not going to be able to do and i do think will hold you back
1: yeah so with a business page for me i genuinely find that easier to run than a website because with a website it's it feels like a chore whenever you go and do it it's like you, you pretty much got to sit down at a pc and you know all that kind of stuff with facebook it's really easy to just upload whatever so how, what about the frequency, the consistency of posts? Is, is how relevant is that, or can you do it ad hoc? Is there a specific time, or?
0: Well, I think having a schedule for yourself means that you're more accountable for when you're posting, so it doesn't slip through the net, and you don't end up posting, you know, once a month and that's it. Um, I don't think that you need to be posting every day, multiple times a day, and have you know glamorous videos and polls and everything in between going out all the time. I just think as long as you're utilising what you know as a driving instructor or as a, just a, a person in general and you're not annoying people to the point that you're posting all the time and the content you're posting is good quality and useful, I would say anywhere between, you know, a couple times a week and every day is fine as long as the content is not repetitive and it's useful, basically. There's not a golden answer to that question, unfortunately, I wish there was.
1: No, to me it sounds right because... It's quality over quantity, and isn't it. If you're putting out some quality information two so or three times a week, that's going to be better than someone that puts out crap every day.
0: Yeah, exactly. If you're if you've genuinely got something good to say, then say it. If you're trying to post every day and you know, three of those posts are really nothing, <laughs> just lose the three posts that are nothing can stick to the four that are great.
1: Do you can you think of anything that might be particularly suitable to post for an instructor? Because the obvious one is always past pictures. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that, that do great numbers. They tend to get shared by the student, which obviously makes it more visible. And you get the happy, smiley student. And that's that, that beacon of positivity. But if there's only that there, it's, it's there's no niche market there at all. So do you think there's anything particularly else we could be looking at?
0: Yeah, so there's actually a concept in marketing where you want to build... Loyal advocate fans or followers um, or an audience in this case, I suppose. And one of the ways that you do that is you you have a concept called added value content. So that's content that is interesting to your followers but might not necessarily sell your services. So in in a driving instructor's case, you're trying to sell lessons, right? That's the ultimate goal. Mm. But the added value content might be more around just being useful and knowledgeable in that space. So it might be some good examples might be sharing. I don't know, for students, things students care about are always going to be like the best routes to drive after you pass your tests, for example. That was something that I Googled the day that I oh. yeah. so you could share things like that that are just, they're in the space of driving, they're around driving, but they're not necessarily a sales post or a sales pitch. Um, another example might be, I know Terry asked me at the start what my, uh, will ask me what my favourite song is at the end. Um, create a playlist that you can share with students of, or your students' favorite songs that you can have playing. On Facebook, you've got the, you've got the option to do polls, I believe. Or they, they might have actually taken that away now. Definitely on Instagram, you can do a story poll. Ask questions around driving, like, I don't know, how long ideally would you like to learn to drive for before taking a test? Um, how long, how many tests did it take before you passed? Because yes, you're speaking to new students, but a lot of people who will follow you will also be old or students that have previously passed. But you can still talk to them, and you can still do content that is for them, um, because that just increases the likelihood that you know they'll recommend you and think of you next time someone's looking for a driving instructor.
1: Yeah, uh, some stuff I want to touch back on there because, like you mentioned, the portal side of it, and one of my most popular posts ever. Now, my admittedly my Facebook driving school page at the minute is dead. I've had a very quiet few months over there, but it used to be quite you know lively and lots of interaction and stuff. And one of the most popular. Paul put was a poll, which is the worst place to drive, Leeds or Bradford. And it kind of blew up a bit and got loads of votes and chairs and all kinds of stuff. But we sort of mentioning that about ex-students or people seeing it that aren't these students. I think that's maybe bigger than a lot of instructors realise. There's an, a, sort of a direct example. There's a, a student in in my community group, we spoke about community groups before. There was um not a student, sorry, someone had passed in there, and she was talking about how bad drivers are. Once she'd passed, she thought they were bad around learners. And once she'd passed, they'd actually get better. And she's like, no, they haven't. And she almost like this heartfelt plea on community group for people to drive better. And she was just getting loads of abuse on there. And I didn't know but I just sent her a message and said, look, if you want to chat, I'm happy to chat with you. And we had a bit of a chat. And ever since then, she's just like recommends me to everyone that asks in the group. And this is just someone that I dropped the message to on, on, on Facebook. And that gets me loads. There's a a hairdresser in Yeadon <laughs> does the same thing, you know, and I never taught them, but they recommend me all over because they've seen my, my stuff online. Is that the kind of thing you're meaning?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So one of the ways that you, you build a loyal fan base or a loyal customer is by letting people get closer, not in like a weird touchy-feely way, That's the, <laughs> but getting closer to you as a person. So like you having a genuine conversation with someone about a topic that obviously you're knowledgeable and they were, in the this situation of someone who's passed is obviously not, not necessarily distressed, but they're getting a lot of abuse. It's probably not a nice headspace to be in. You just wanted to share your thoughts, but, you know, having someone who's positive and reassuring to be like, Hey, I hear your point, you know, happy to chat. You allow people to build that closer connection with you. So although you might never have taught them and may never teach them or, you know, might never meet them in person, they yeah. can just be completely online they still go away and recommend you and those recommendations are the most valuable way of getting students. I mean, I'm sure you, 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 know that already, but yeah, word of mouth is just the strongest way.
1: Cause you also mentioned about people almost becoming fans of the page mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I can resonate with that straight away because Facebook have that um, sort of top fans badge, don't they? So that's essentially Facebook acknowledging that publicly that, you know, you've got a fan, we're going to shove more stuff their way.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think as well, when that user gets the badge to use and they comment, their comments are elevated above other people's comments. So, you know, if you're in a sea of not necessarily negative comments, but neutral comments, let's say, and one of your top fans comes in and says something positive about you or the wider community, their comment is shown at the top because they're seen as a more valuable user to that group. So it's also a nice way that, you know, if you're, you're talking online and you do get a big discussion growing, which is obviously the goal, your top fans can weigh in on that and have more authority in the space, I suppose.
1: Yeah. I didn't know that actually. I didn't realise. Now you've said it, I can, I can visualise it, but I hadn't realised that they get put to the top, which, yeah. you know, makes sense. You scroll down through the post and you always kind of see the top comment, don't you? And yeah. if that's a more positive one, you're likely to more, more likely to engage in the post. So, so yeah, that makes sense. Um, You spoke then as well about the goal being to create a conversation. Now, I know that's not necessarily going to be the goal of every post, but i presume it's the goal of a lot of posts. Mm-hmm. What Have you got any tips on the best way to create that conversation, the best way to get interaction or get comments?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, the, the industry best practice, if you like, in terms of conversation posts and posts to sell is sort of an 80-20 split. So if you're doing, I mean, yeah, if you're doing five posts a week, you're going to want one of them to be a sales post. And the rest should be conversations. And you're absolutely right. How do you have four conversations that are valuable? And I think the way you see valuable needs to sort of shift a little bit. So it doesn't need to be that you're providing your best thoughts of knowledge and you're sharing just the greatest nugget of knowledge ever. It can be something really simple, like that post you said, Terry, where you compared where's the worst place to drive, Leeds or Bradford. That's a conversation piece that is pretty lighthearted. Most people can weigh in, in on it. You don't have to be, you don't have to have passed. You can have passed. It's really open for who can engage with that. Um, And it's a simple question to answer. It doesn't need to be, you know, a really thought out question. In fact, you're going to get more engagement if you're doing those simple questions because more people will care and have the time to quickly vote in a poll or comment. Oh, I think Leeds is the best. Or no, Bradford's definitely the best. Like it's something that people care about and is easy to do.
1: We're just taking a slight pause in the show to thank you for listening, firstly. But also, if you are enjoying the show and you would like to support it or like some additional content, make sure you check out the Instructor Podcast Premium Best way to find that, head over to www.theinstructorpodcast.com or you can find the link in the show notes. Now, over there, we've got a whole host of additional content, including the most recent episode of the Standards Check Checklist, where I'm joined by the the ever delightful care field and we spend a good 40 minutes diving into the topic of word directions and instructions, Clear, concise, and giving him plenty of time. Really good episode. That's a sixth episode of the standard Check checklist so far, and obviously plenty more to come. We've also got a brand new series starting called Driving Business. The first episode will be out in the next couple of days, and that features Dan Hill of My Drive Time. And we kick that off talking about some of the most common faults people make when they become a driving instructor. Really fun episode, over an hour of quality, and uh, I'm sure my Patreon guys are going to love listening. To that. But it's not just all the awesome content you get, you also get some really wonderful discounts. So, sign up to the Instructor Podcast Premium will give you a 16% discount on Gorody. It'll also give you a 33% discount on Bob Morton's Client Centered Learning, and you can get a 50% discount off of Lee Sperry's ADI or PDI doctor. So, head over to that and you get a 50% discount off everything Lee Sperry is offering. And all that for just £10 a month. And if you don't like it, you can leave. You can jump in, get access to all that wonderful stuff, and then, obviously, leave. But I'm sure you won't. I'm sure you'd stay about. If you don't want more content you could always sign up anyway and just not use it, or you could sign up for the two pound tier. So sign up for two pound, you get absolutely nothing except my eternal gratitude and a warm fuzzy feeling inside. And that goes a long way to helping me with the running costs of this show. So check out the Instructor Podcast Premium at www.theinstructorpodcast.com. But for now, let's dive back into the show. I'd be interested to get your opinion on this because when I first started the the Facebook post, uh, whether that was on the driving school page or the instructor podcast page or, you know, whatever it is I've done, I would be posting and I would get zero, zero interaction. So there'd be zero likes, there'd be zero comments. And that's really disheartening. But the thing I learned pretty quickly is that not everyone that reads your post is going to acknowledge it. You know it might take someone reading 10 or 100 of your posts to actually acknowledge or but then i started getting messages before i started getting public likes i would get people messaging me and probably the best example of this is actually the five minute theory podcast when i released that i got very little traction talking about it on social media but people would message me and say thank you for doing this so you never know who's seen it even though you might not be getting those comments. So. When people do start doing this and they're not getting that traction immediately, what advice would you give to them?
0: I mean, yeah, obviously it is really disheartening. That's something that I deal with in my job as well. Um, When you come up with a really great campaign and you think this is going to be the one, this is going to get people talking, this is brilliant. And then, it, you know, it's more or less drops to zero. It is disheartening. But I think the first thing to bear in mind is that Facebook doesn't value business pages in the same way that it values a personal profile. So what I mean by that is Facebook decides who show who it shows your post to based in a very complicated algorithm that no one really understands, but it's there and it exists and you have to be mindful of it. So if you're a business page, I think a statistic came out recently that reckons that only about five percent of the people who follow your page will be shown the content that you're posting. So if you've got a small following obviously that's even less people than it's going to be shown to in the first place. So bear in mind that it's not you, it's not the content. Facebook does just generally not like business profiles as much, so we'll always try and limit that. But also, if you're posting content that you know is great and it's not getting any interaction, feel free to post it again in the future when you are up there with your engagement. So if you've posted a question at the very start of your sort of journey with Facebook, if you like, and it did nothing but you're like, oh, that was a really good point, actually. Don't feel make it again. Like it doesn't need to be a one and done kind of thing because once you've posted it once, most people have forgotten it even existed in a week's time, which is, you know, the joy and curse of social media is it's there today, gone tomorrow. Um, which is great sometimes, sometimes not. Um, and also just sort of keep going with it. Try and encourage friends and family to get involved if you're really struggling in the beginning. Um I'm mentioning it to your students when you're out driving I know Terry invited me to his group straight away when I asked to be a student and after lessons he would also say that he was posting certain things that I might be interested in so sort of that word of mouth again to encourage engagement need to do that in the right way don't be pushy and annoying about it but there's no harm in doing that and I think at the very beginning it's sort of it's expected that you'll be getting zero on some posts and that's fine don't be just too disheartened it's not personal
1: Genuine question, slightly, maybe slightly uncomfortable. Was I pushing and annoying?
0: No, I don't think so. I think you had the right balance of you knew what I was interested in and would only recommend things that you thought I would genuinely be interested in. Or if you were just proud of what you'd done (laughs) and you just wanted to tell someone you were proud of that. And that's fine. I didn't
2: like that.
1: I put a picture of my dog online last night. She looks ace. Go check it out. That's generally it. Um, But... (laughs) You spoke there about sort of business and personal pages. So we can share business stuff to personal, you know, we can share them over. How much of that should we be doing? Or should we save that for the really posts that you're really proud of and just share those?
0: I wouldn't share everything because I think you run the risk of annoying your friends and family. Um, You know, there's, there's always people that will share stuff that you don't care about and you'll probably be a user and scroll through and think, oh, God, Here's Karen again talking about her business, no who cares sort of thing. Yeah. Um that feels like a personal attack on Karen's. So. <laughs> um but yeah, if it's something that you've done that's you're really proud of, I know Terry, you were ranked in like the top three instructors or something recently, and you shared that. That is definitely something you should share. If it's a content piece that's done really well or you've put a lot of effort into it, then yeah, share that. Obviously. You know, pictures of students passing, probably don't need to share them all the time because your friends and families know you're a driving instructor. They probably expect that your students pass, so you don't need to share them. um But, yeah, genuine conversation pieces that you think will do well and that your friends and family might be interested to know about you. Feel free to share them.
1: Yeah, cool. um and I want to touch back on what you were saying before, because you started talking about analytics. And I think in Facebook in particular, there's a lot of resources you can use to look over your data. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, so I'm a data person in my role. I love analysing data. I love looking at data that exists and how we can use that. But I understand that that isn't for everyone. So I think the main things I would say, if you're not a data person or if you're just starting out with Facebook, there's sort of two things that I would look for, and that would be, Your impressions or reach. Um, So that's how many people your post has been shown to. And then on that, look at the reactions. So that's, you know, like the heart, the hug emoji. And there's lots of different ones for Facebook. They're always changing it. Um, But look at those two metrics because, you know, if your reach is low, so say your post has only reached maybe 50 to 100 people, but you've got like four or five reactions from that that's really good. That engagement rate is really strong because although yes, okay, five is a small number, you've only reached 50 people in the first place. So look at that and sort of decide from that which posts are reaching the most people and maybe do more of that um, or do less of that if it's one that's done badly.
1: I'm going to ask your opinion on a couple of things here then, because I kind of look at those metrics in the same way as I look at sort of podcast statistics, downloads and whatnot. In the if I released a brand new podcast today, the first 10 podcasts, I don't care how many downloads I get. It's irrelevant. It's a, it's a new podcast. So if I only get 10 downloads an episode, what I'm looking for is growth. So if you start a new Facebook page, my thought process would be right. Well, I don't know how many people are going to see it. I don't know how many people are going to like it, but what I will look for is those numbers to grow.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Is that something you would concur with?
0: Yeah, absolutely. What we do Um, in my role is we do like month-on-month reporting and it's not necessarily about the percentage of increase it's just about seeing an increase so as long as it's one percent increased on it was last month we'll still put that in green because that's still great so even if you're looking at low numbers and you will be looking at low numbers to begin with that's how everybody starts that's completely normal as long as you know in six months time you can say wow okay I've grown to this many followers and now my posts are getting this many likes that's great. And a big concept with Facebook is understanding, we call them vanity metrics, and they're basically just metrics that they're great, but they don't really mean anything. So like you were saying earlier, you were putting stuff out for the instructor podcast, uh, not the the five minute theory podcast, sorry. And you were getting private messages about it, but no one was interacting with the post about it. You know, a, a message about it is much more valuable than someone just liking the post because that doesn't mean anything. So yes, okay, it's nice to visibly have the likes, but if you know that your content's made a difference to just one person, then that is definitely more valuable and should be seen as more valuable than, you know, a metric on a page that doesn't mean anything at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, and the other thing you can do, you get those messages as long as the the sender is okay with it, you can put that out as a review. You know, you can put that on your page, and other people are seeing that as well. So if if someone was flatlining, what so it's just not growing at all on the page. What might be the causes of that other than potentially just not posting?
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's say you're posting a couple of times a week. You're just posting to your page. Previously, it's been doing well and it's flatlining. My recommendations at that point would be to switch up your content firstly, see if that can help, you know, lease new life into it. Um, the second one would be to share it to local groups where you are allowed to do that. Check the rules, though, so, because a lot of groups are funny about self-promotion. Um, but there'll be some groups that will have certain days where that's OK um, or rules of how you can go about doing that. So try that. And also encourage your students that you're currently working with or have previously worked with to check out a page by maybe putting together an extra piece of content. Maybe it's like a giveaway or a small competition they can get involved with because competitions will always do well people always want to win stuff so if you're like I don't know you're going to give a voucher for some money off a driving lesson for example put a nice post out about that and then tell your students that they can enter that online um and the best way for them to do that would be to like share the post because then that's going to get the ball rolling and hopefully from that you can see some more energy back into your page
1: um I'm going to tell a brief story about that. I put a competition out. This is going back way to 2019, I think. It was when I left Red Driving School. And I had this massive panic just when I was leaving that I was going to have no customers, which wasn't the case. But that was the, the fear because I was going off by myself. So I did this competition. It was, I think it was for a free trial lesson. Uh, what to do was, you know, share the post, like the post, comment, that sort of thing. And it went a bit nuts how do I decide who's won? I expect, like, to get two people. And I thought, well, i I get two, I'll give it to them both. Get two new customers, great. But it went to quite a lot. That worked brilliantly for me. And I think that would probably, now, if I was struggling for custom, for that would probably be a, a quick and easy go-to, and it, it gets your page out there. But just sort of one other thing on those statistics, unless you've got anything else to add on that, would be the – you can rank – you can find, um, like, a table, can't you? So you can compare yourself to the – some uh, similar business pages Uh and you can see the different levels of engagement and followers and all that kind of stuff is that worth doing in terms of comparing just because i think give yourself little targets as well or
0: i think it depends on how you are as a person if you know that comparison for you puts you in a negative headspace just don't do it because i i'm definitely one of those people that compares myself to other people online and then feels bad about it and then I go away and think, well, why did I do that in the first place? I could have just avoided all of this. So if you know that you're going to feel sad about that potentially, don't do it because it's not it's not a massive benefit, especially in the beginning when your page is still going to be small. Um, but if you know you can you can handle it, you know you 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 sound you can you can spend maybe half an hour looking at how your competitors are the doing, then yes, I would use that. However, I would be cautious of who you're comparing yourself to. So the way that I do competitor analysis for clients is I would always choose someone who's at a very similar level to them, someone who's below them, someone who's slightly above them, and then someone they aspire to. So you've got four types of people you're comparing yourself to, because you don't want everyone you're comparing yourself to to be a top level person that is always going to outrank you on every metric.
1: That's
0: a sad place to be.
1: I think where i find that useful is to look at the the ones that are doing well not necessarily like you would say the big ones but who's getting good engagement and whatnot and i'll, I'll look at those because a lot of the time i think it's, it's kind of what you said before vanity metrics sometimes it will be that um a, a past picture that gets a lot of likes and i think well i can't do much with that but then you will go and look at someone else's site and it'll be a really interesting you know just really interesting piece of copy and you think oh cool yeah i like that i'm gonna do more of that so i think you can take inspiration from it as well um just regarding the analytics side anything else you want to touch on there any other tips around that
0: um no i don't think so i think um the main thing with your, when you start looking at your analytics is yes you should be looking at them and i've just said how important it is to look at them but don't get too bogged down by it you know, the metrics aren't the end of the world. If you're putting content out and you're happy with the content you're putting out regardless of how it's actually performing, still keep doing that because you should be posting things that resonate with you as a person. Um, And if you're always just trying to be a people pleaser because you want a certain type of customer, it's never going to end well. So, you know, look at the metrics and do what you can with them, but don't necessarily make it the be all and end all of your performance and why you do things on social.
1: Yeah. Um, okay, so I, I want to kind of touch on to the some of the other social platforms now, but I think a good way to do that might be to talk about reels a little bit, because that's uh, the new big feature on Facebook. Uh so I think the first question around that will be how important is it to use the new features that any social media platform brings out?
0: Uh oh, the most important, if not the best way to grow your account is to use the features that the platform is currently pushing. I think um we were talking about this just before we started recording but I have two guinea pigs that I have an Instagram account for and I've had that Instagram account for maybe about six weeks now and they've gotten themselves to 8,000 followers which I have never done that sort of those sorts of numbers in that length of time before and the only way that I've done that is through using Instagram reels. Um, I think two of their reels have like half a million views now um, which I would never have done anything near that if I was just posting you know a static image on your Instagram feed but now those reels have come over to Facebook all that tells me is that okay they're working amazingly on Instagram let's put it on more platforms because ultimately Facebook wants to make money and it wants to do that by keeping you on its platform so reels are quite sticky in the sense that once you're in the loop of swiping probably not going to stop for a while I'm definitely you know, a <laughs> slave to my phone yeah. in that sense. Um, so if Facebook started doing that, then that obviously means that they're doing something right with that feature. So if you can get involved in that, then absolutely go for it. Because you might see nothing, but you might also see some very, very strong results.
1: So with a reel, now whether that's on Facebook, Instagram, or even going on to, to TikTok, Do we need to do funny dances and and all that kind of stuff? or Can we put out the content that's still relevant to the the learners, essentially?
0: Yeah, Uh, that's the big fear. Whenever I tell clients that I want to do TikTok for their business, they think, God, I'm not dancing. That sounds awful. I do not want to start learning how to do these crazy trends. Um, And that's not really what TikTok is all about. Yes, okay, that's the content that I see because I enjoy it. But from a business perspective, there are things you can do that are still highly relevant to your audience, but make the use of a trend. So the best way that I find to do that is to scroll through your own reels and find one that you can sort of recreate that's got great audio. It might even be basic as like, here are three tips to put, to how to feel good on test day. Here are three tips to pick yourself up if you have a bad lesson. And it can be things like that, that they're using the audio that's trending so there's there's two ways you can trend on a reel it can be through the audio doing really well or your video doing really well um and the audio is where I find it easier because you can use someone else's idea that way so yes use the feature you don't have to dance make it relevant make it fun like it should be fun it's it's a seven second video sometimes slightly longer but it's a very short piece of content, and that's the point of it. It should be short, engaging. Um, try not to cram too much information and just give it a go, would be my advice, because it is a bit scary when you first start doing video.
1: Is that why I keep seeing the same songs over and over again on TikTok, because that's the one that's trending?
0: Yes, absolutely. Right. And if you if you use your TikTok account and you like any posts with a certain audio, you'll probably see that audio for at least another week. <laughs>
1: I have managed to train my TikTok algorithm so that now I get dogs. I get people criticizing conservatives and I get Tom Holland doing that dance when he went on Lip Sync Battle. They're the three (laughs) sorts of videos I get on my TikTok. I've I've done well to train it that way. But I'd love to get your opinion on this then because I've done a bit on TikTok, not a lot, but there were two videos that did really well. Uh, Sorry, uh, one video did really well that was – I think it was 15 seconds long and I tried to do the entire cockpit drill in 15 seconds. So it was like an edited short burst one. And that got something like hundred thousand views and loads of likes and loads of comments, but all the comments were one word because there was one thing I missed off of it. I think it was a seatbelt or something. I can't remember, but I missed one thing off. So the question I put on, what did I miss? And everyone was just commenting the, the one thing. But, When I do the videos, which is me facing the camera, and like you said, it'll be top three tips or or whatever, they don't do anywhere near that well. But a lot of the times, the comment and engagement is a lot better. So is there sort of importance to both of those types or would be one preferable to the other?
0: I think there's value in both of them, in all honesty. Um, Obviously, the first one where you're reaching 100,000 people and getting one-word answers is great for your brand awareness, and that's something that you should look to grow. And then the ones where you're, you know, posting something more specific and getting more specific comments, that's really great for your engagement. And both of those things sort of go hand in hand because as you grow your brand awareness, typically what happens is your engagement goes up. And as your engagement grows up, your brand awareness goes up. So they sort of work hand in hand together. And if you're just focusing on one over the other, you're going to miss out on certain things. I think if you're more comfortable doing a certain type of video in the beginning, focus on that. And, you know, don't, you don't need to be focusing on everything all at once. I think that's something that's really important in social is to not overstretch yourself. But if you're going to do one type of video and you know, this video, I want the goal of it to be this, then you can focus it much easier on what you actually want to achieve from that.
1: Yeah. It's, Is there a preference, would you say, uh, between reels like on Instagram or or TikTok? Or do you think same video on both?
0: I think um, as I'm Gen Z, I'm 22 years old. So right in the middle sort of of that era at the moment. I prefer Instagram reels. Um, I, I use TikTok, but I'm not obsessed with it in the same way I am Instagram reels. But On the flip side of that, I have friends who won't use Instagram and they'll only scroll through TikTok. So the content that ends up on Instagram Reels at the moment to me feels like it comes from TikTok first. There's definitely examples now where I think Instagram's really coming into its own with that and it's doing audio that's separate to TikTok. But for a while, the audio that was doing well on TikTok would eventually come onto Instagram and do well on Instagram as well. So I don't think it's a case of maybe having to create separate videos for both, but maybe the time at which you post the videos is in, more important. So if you find a, an audio trend and you do it on TikTok first and it does really well, wait for it to be good on Instagram or just go for it straight away and put it on Instagram as well and see how it does. I would definitely repurpose content where possible because it saves time and effort. And also if it does well on one platform, it might also do well on another platform. So why not try it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the other one I wanted to ask you around, I suppose this is more, well, Instagram and TikTok, um, hashtags, because I've experimented a little bit on on Instagram with a post I do, so I'll put some specific, like, with no hashtags and some with, and it doesn't really seem to make a difference to the reach, but I will still see all these people online swearing blind that hashtags are the way to go. I tend to use them as a way to sort and filter stuff more than anything else, but, but what would your take on the, the use of hashtags be?
0: Oh my God, that's
1: such
0: such a difficult question. I feel like as someone who works in social media, I should probably know more about this topic. The answer is, and it's what I would say to clients as well, is I don't really know, and I don't really think Instagram knows anymore. (laughs) The algorithms that runs on social media platforms aren't disclosed to users or to specialists in the subject area. So it's really difficult to know actually what will pull through and what won't. I think you should always if you're going to use hashtags they should be highly relevant like there used to be a time on Instagram where you would put follow for follow like for like and that was great and you'd get random likes from random people and that was cool we're not really in that age anymore we've sort of moved past that we're much more sophisticated in our use of social media now or I like to think that we are maybe we're not Um, so if you are going to use hashtags make them highly relevant you don't need to do you know 30 40 hashtags just pick four or five that are highly relevant that if someone was searching for that hashtag and they found your content it would make sense for them to see your content but the way that you use social media and i use social media i don't ever search for hashtags i just scroll through my explore page or my for you page on tiktok so yeah i i don't i don't fully have a good answer for that unfortunately
1: that's a perfect answer i'm not gonna lie um it kind of corroborates what i was saying when i with my experimentation figure and i think almost touching back on what you were saying before if you're getting likes off so for my driving school page if that was to start getting random likes off people all over that have no relevance well that means nothing to me you know especially if like you said that only a certain percentage of your audience is seeing it well if that's then being seen by people that aren't going to buy driving lessons it's less relevant so no i think it's it makes sense to me um and i suppose the last question around that again if you've got anything to add i'd be interested in your take on stories because i used to really like a looking at stories i found i often find them more engaging than than real something whatnot and i used to like doing them i've dropped off a little bit now but i used to really enjoy doing them what's what's the your thoughts on stories
0: um i actually still really love stories when i open instagram it's still the first point that I interact with. I'll still look at stories first. Um, I think where stories should definitely be used different to how you're using your other posts. And they should be more of like a personal, maybe behind the scenes, uh, using the stickers that you have that ask questions and polls. Um, I don't think that stories anymore are sort of best utilised when it's just a random picture with no context, like of what you're eating. We've definitely moved past that. Um, but there's still a place for stories. I love stories, I use stories myself, and I follow brands and create stories for brands that do it really well. I think the best way you can use stories is to sort of use the highlight feature. So on your Instagram page, you can set up highlights with different categories and you can sort your stories into those highlights. So maybe try and define three or four key areas that you want to do stories So it might be behind the scenes as a good example um I'm trying to think about the driving instructor ones that would be relevant maybe um test tips or past stories um even like silly things like car jams that you're loving that week things like that that offer people a little bit more insight and a way to engage with you is really valuable still but just bear in mind that stories aren't where customers buy or convert typically.
2: Yeah,
1: I find I, I agree with you. When I open Instagram, it's the first place I go still, uh, and they always feel more interactive. I think whereas when you scroll in Instagram or Facebook, it's really easy to scroll past. Mm-hmm. But as you said, you've got the, the all sorts of questions and polls and stuff. So yeah, I think they're more interactive. But. Mm-hmm. And then just to wrap up, we we spoke a lot there about driving schools and and, and targeting a certain audience, but a lot of instructors as well will target and want to reach other instructors. So, for example, the Instructor Podcast, I'm not desperate to reach learners with that, Um, or there may be courses or training for instructors. So let's just imagine we go back to Facebook again, for example. Is there a way – would you do anything different – for, for learners as opposed to instructors who advertise advertising? would just be a case of using a different voice?
0: Um, Obviously, you've got separate profiles or business pages for reaching both of those. I think a big thing with how you reach people is who you're interacting with yourself on that page. So if you're looking to interact or find other driving instructors, make sure those are the types of accounts that you're interacting with and vice versa, you know, for any audience relevance. I think the tone of voice can be different. Again, making sure it's not cringe or, you know, trying to to be, there's a level of authenticity that you always want to have on social media. So you want it to be you and who you are. You don't want to try and sell a fake version of yourself. So keep it authentic. Bear in mind who you're interacting with when you choose to interact on those platforms. Like Terry was saying earlier, he's trained his algorithm on TikTok to show him dogs and, yeah, <laughs> Tom Holland, apparently. Yeah. Um, yeah engage with accounts that are relevant to you and hopefully from that you can get some good levels back but it is it's sort of the algorithm will do its own thing so bear that in mind
1: Um, is there anything else that you would like to throw out there to instructors around social media before we move on
0: Uh, not really I have one recommendation if anybody's interested in learning a little bit more there's a podcast I love particularly around social media marketing which is quite often they have guests on and they talk about it from a beginner's level up to like an expert level so there might be some good nuggets of information from that and that podcast is literally just called social media marketing podcast the host is Michael Stelzner it is American so there are some things that it's, it's just not British humor or British etiquette I guess but there's always some good guests on there um, and if you want to learn a bit more about social media I am in no way affiliated to that <laughs> very much enjoy it and thought
1: it was worth sharing. Cool. I'll put a link to that in the show notes and I'll just before we move on and I ask you uh, for your favourite driving song. I was going to say that we've spoke previously about potentially doing or you helping me with my social media and getting all that sorted um, and I'm very much looking forward to that but I was looking forward to it but I think there's going to be a lot of stuff you can pick up on after listening to your talk from this so I'm thinking what I might do I haven't run this bike yet so we'll never know I might record you ripping my social media to pieces and put that out on my Patreon account. So that could be fun. But let's let's wrap up then. So I am starting to ask everyone that comes on the Instructor Podcast. You are the first person I'm asking actually. So I'm starting today. What would be your song of choice for when you are driving? What's the ultimate driving song?
0: This is a really difficult question. It's probably the question that I've struggled with the
1: most on this podcast. <laughs> All right, I'll try harder next time.
0: Um, I don't know really. So I'm... I'm someone who listens to all sorts of music in all sorts of genres and I don't really have a favourite of anything. I just sort of listen to whatever I'm fancying. But one song that like always comes on and I just think that's that's great. I love it. It's the Tyre Cruz Dynamite song. And purely because when I was in year six, it was a song that we did like our leavers Assembly dance to. And I just have so many good memories. And <laughs> It just feels very summery. I don't know
1: um i like that i will add that to the playlist i'll include the playlist in the show notes as well so you can go and download the uh the instructor podcast spotify playlist i'll think of a better name for it but just as a slight bit of amusement for you um when the you know like spotify do your most played song at the end of the year and, and whatnot the most played my most played artist last year was lady gaga
0: Wow, i wouldn't which,
1: know. no I think the second probably would have been Tom Holland somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. Um, All okay. right. So uh really appreciate you coming on. Do you want to tell people where they can find you and anything that you have to offer?
0: Yeah, sure. So the best way to find me is either through Terry's page. I'm on there. My name's just Charlotte Parker. Um, or you can email me. I have a very strange email address, but it is cpmarketing at pickleparker.co.uk. And that is pickleparker as in P-I-C-K-L-E p-a-r-k-e-r
1: pickle parker <laughs> and that address will be going on the cover art <laughs> it amuses me greatly um, but no that'll be included in the show notes if you're listening make sure I go and click on that so you can get with Charlotte for all your social media needs uh, yeah so thank you really appreciate you joining us there uh, especially because I know you are recovering from a bit of illness and you have indeed perked up for this hour so I uh, really appreciate that thank you for your time
0: thank you thanks for having me
1: So big thank you to Charlotte there. Really enjoyable episode and a lot of useful information as well. And for me personally, it was great being able to talk to a former student and actually get some of their wisdom um, and great insight as well at the start talking about what we as instructors can do. Uh, That was, uh, that was good for me and I hope it was good for you as well. And as promised, It's time for another Terry's Tip. Now, this one is about social media, and it's about something you can use within your social media. Because as this podcast goes out on Sunday the 22nd of May, it is the Driving Instructor Show that is going on. So if you are at the Driving Instructor Show, talk about it on social media. Now, it doesn't just have to be on your platforms that are aimed at instructors. It can be on your platforms that are aimed at students, aimed at learner drivers. They're going to see that you're taking part in this event. They're going to see that you're visiting this event and and upping your skill set, essentially, which will make you a more appealing driving instructor. So make use of it this weekend. Take some pictures, share your locations, get it on social media. Talk about what you're doing there. Talk about what you're learning. Talk about your experiences, all this cool stuff. It will make you a more desirable instructor. But it doesn't just have to be that. It can be anything. It could be the fact that you talk about listening to the instructor podcast. It could be you talking about the courses you go on or a book that you're reading. Any form of development, don't be afraid to share that on your social media for your learners. It's a great way for them to see that you invest in yourself because you're asking them to invest in themselves. So it's a great way for them to see it as well. So that's Terry's tip for today make sure that you go and check out the spotify playlist you'll find a link in the show notes so you can search for the instructor on spotify you find it over there as well and i'm going to be adding more tracks to those every episode but for now i hope you have an amazing day and uh, we'll be back next week with another smashing episode for you
0: the instructor podcast with terry cook talking with leaders innovators experts and in game changers about what drives them